Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hi there. We have been looking at the signs of spiritual maturity and we are finishing today with the eighth sign. And this is the fact that you are still growing. Now this is different to natural maturity. Human beings grow to a certain point and then we stop. It's amazing the way that the Lord has designed our bodies, that they know when to stop growing, but certain other things grow. Have you ever wondered about how your hair on your head continues to grow, but your eyelashes stop at a certain length? And there are various ways that God has designed us so that we can operate healthily and effectively. But in spiritual growth, it's different. He says we must never, ever stop growing as Christians. And this is the eighth sign of spiritual maturity is that you haven't stagnated. You are not staying still. You are actually continuing to grow. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. So he's saying these things should be adding onto your life. Add, 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 give all diligence. And these are pretty much very much in line with the signs of maturity that we've already covered in this series. We've talked about knowledge, we've talked about fruitfulness and love and relationships and all the different aspects of spiritual maturity and, and these are pretty much covered in these seven topics. But then in verse 8 he says, for if these things are yours and abound, other versions of the Bible say in increasing measure, if these things are yours and are increasing, Listen to what he says. You will neither you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says you won't be barren or unfruitful, or we could say you will be fruitful if these things are increasing in your life. And then he says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. He says, if you look at your life and you see these things are missing, then there's a problem and you've forgotten that you were forgiven. And then he says in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. So you say, I know I'm called. I know I'm elected by God. He's chosen me. He loves me. But he says, make it sure. Make it certain by doing these things. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. If you don't do these things, if these things aren't increasing, you may stumble. For so an entrance, if you see these measures, these signs of maturity in your life growing and abounding and increasing more and more day by day, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the first point for us to get today, and it is a big one, it is an important one, is this. You should be continually growing. Do you remember in Isaiah, where it's promising that unto us a son will be given, uh, the kingdom, the government will be on his shoulders. And it says of the increase of his government and rule and peace, there will be no end. Of the increase, there will be no end. Proverbs says the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter until the full light of day. Romans 1 says that our relationship and our righteousness is from faith to faith. 
or growing in faith. 2 Corinthians 3 says that we are changed into his image as we gaze on his glory as in a mirror. We are changed from glory to glory or with ever increasing glory. God's plan is growth, never for us to stagnate or to go backwards. And this is important. Why is it important? Because it is possible for a person to go through the checklist of the signs of maturity and say, right, let me let me look at this checklist. Okay, solid food. Yes, I study God's word. Deception. No, I'm not deceived. Behavior and righteousness. Yes, I'm living according to God. Relationships. Yes, I'm relating well. Fruitfulness and contributing, etc., etc. All these different things. And they could say, I've been a Christian for 20 years and I've ticked all the boxes. But let me ask the question, are you still growing? Are these things abounding or increasing in your life? Or are you at the same level you were two years ago, five years ago? Let me put it another way. What have you learned in the last couple of days about God? Another way, what have you had to repent of and ask God to help you with in the last couple of days? Another question, what have you risked and stretched your faith in in the last couple of days? You say, Greg, the last couple of days, that seems a bit narrow, the time range that you're giving me. Why are you being so so pushy about the last couple of days? Because the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We eat bread every day. We should be hearing God's word new. You say, why do you say it should be new? Because Romans 10 verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing, not from having heard, from present tense, from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Greek word for word there is rhema, which means God's presently spoken word right now. Faith comes from hearing every day, daily bread we should be receiving from God. And so we should be growing every day. If these things are yours and are increasing or, or abounding in your life, then you will be fruitful. You will have an entrance into God's kingdom. You will never stumble. And so again, I ask you, my dear friend, are you growing? You say, well, how do I know if I'm growing? You look at the different aspects of your life and you say, am I increasing? Am I being stretched? You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches and in three of those, he rebukes them because they have stagnated. They've stopped growing. To the first one, he says, you've lost your first love. You're doing a whole lot of activities, but the passion isn't there. To another one, he says, you are lukewarm. You're not hot or cold. You don't have the passion. And then to another one, he says, you have a reputation of being alive. People look at you from the outside and say, what a lovely, strong Christian church or Christian person, he says, but you're actually dead inside. And he says, repent, do the first works, do the things you did at the start. Come back to me, break your heart so that I can give you new, fresh life and power and passion and excitement and so that you can grow. And so the eighth sign of a mature Christian is that they are continually developing, growing. Are there things that you've learned recently? Or do you say, I know about God. I know the Bible. I don't need to learn anything more. Friend, we'll never know everything about God. Right up until our dying day, we need to be learning about Him. Amen.
Now, I need to just say to you that when God gives us a challenge like this, when he says, are you still growing? It always comes with power included. You know, when you get a gift for your child at Christmas, sometimes it says batteries included because the power source comes with the gift. When God gives you a challenge, it's actually a gift because he's saying, I'm giving you the power to change. The devil, on the other hand, sucks your power away through condemnation and guilt. He says, you're bad and you'll never be forgiven. You're useless and you cannot change. But God says, look, here is an opportunity to change and here is the power to change. And so God gives us the power. And so what I want to do is look at four reasons why we may have stagnated. Uh, the first two come out of this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. And then there's a couple of others. So the first one, he says, you've forgotten that you were forgiven of your sins. Verse 9, he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. And this means basically we've forgotten the grace of God. Let me give you a description of this. A person may have become a Christian and when they first gave their lives to the Lord, they knew they were wretched and in need of salvation and forgiveness. They knew they needed to be healed and fixed up and forgiven. And they fell down at God's feet and they said, Lord Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. They saw God's grace and they responded with love and devotion. But then they started to learn the Bible. They started to change their lives. They started to get into the habits of Christianity and Christian things in church. And after a while, they started to feel, you know what? I don't need so much forgiveness anymore. I don't really need God's help that much. I, I can do this. And actually, I'm quite an important member of God's team. He's, he's quite lucky to have me on his team. Look at these other wretched people who are still struggling with things. Look, look, I've got it all together. And that person has forgotten that they were forgiven of their sins. They've lost sight of grace because their hearts have become hardened. Their eyes have become dulled through pride and they think they've got it all together. And that's why the Bible says many times, humble yourselves. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And often we don't realize that we're proud. We think we're fine. And we go through the checklist, we say, yes, 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 yes. But when we get to the one, am I still growing? We have to be honest and say, we're not. And it's sometimes because we've lost sight of grace. Do you remember that feeling when you realized you were wretched and in need of salvation and you cried out to God and you had nothing to offer and he forgave you and the passion and the love that came out of that. In Revelation, Jesus says to the church who've lost their first love, repent and do the things you did at the beginning. Do the first works. In other words, come back to being a sinner in need of salvation and saying, I haven't forgotten that I've been forgiven of my sins. Thank you, Lord. Everything I have is from you. The opposite is taking the grace of God in vain. A couple of times Paul mentions this. He says it's possible to take the grace of God in vain. What is an example of that? I wonder if you've ever had an employee, I don't know if you employ people, but you've had an employee who you've been very patient with and they keep arriving late and they keep doing wrong things and yet you keep forgiving them and helping them and making up for their shortcomings, but they don't realize that you're being kind to them and they just keep taking more and more advantage. They're not grateful, they're not humble, they think they're entitled 
They're taking your grace in vain and eventually you have to say enough, enough. We, we can't keep doing this because the organization can't survive with an employee who's not doing their job. And taking the grace of God in vain means we become numb to how kind God has been and how much we are recipients of grace. Listen to what Paul says about taking the grace of God in vain. But by the grace of God, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul says, the grace of God was not in vain. I am so grateful and I'm realizing that everything I have is by his grace, that it makes me active and wanting to serve and thankful and uh, diligent and full of passion. And then he says, and look, I'm working so hard, but even that's not me. It's the grace of God. Paul continually humbled himself. He said, I am what I am by God's grace. I'm not greater than anyone else. I am what I am by God's grace. I'm precious to him, but it's just God's grace. And it makes me work harder and be more grateful and be more passionate. So the first symptom or the first reason we may have stagnated and lost this growth and this passion is because we've forgotten the grace of God. We've forgotten the grace of God. Another aspect of this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, make sure no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to defile many. This is where we allow bitterness to come in. So we say, thank you, God, for your grace, but I'm not going to pass your grace on to somebody who's offended me. I'm going to be bitter, resentful, hurt. I'm the victim. I'm cross. I'm angry. And a bitter root grows up and it blocks the grace of God from coming into us because we're not passing it on to others. And unfortunately, the Bible says it defiles many because others start getting affected by our bitterness and resentment. And so the first reason we may have stagnated is we've lost sight of the grace of God. What is the solution? We humble ourselves. We say, Lord, I have nothing. I can do nothing without you. I deserve eternal, eternal punishment. I don't deserve any of the good things you've given me. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful. And we remember the first things and the way we were right at the start. The second one is we are unfruitful. He says in this passage in 2 Peter 1, that if we do these things, uh, we won't be barren or unfruitful. And I just want to cross-reference the parable of the sower. Do you remember Jesus spoke about a sower, a farmer throws out the seed, some seed lands on hard soil and it doesn't penetrate, it doesn't grow. Some seed lands on shallow soil and it grows up for a brief time and then dies. But the third soil, he says, it, it lands among weeds and other things that are growing up and it grows up a little bit but it's unfruitful it stops growing and it doesn't produce fruit because there are other competing things in the soil growing up with it and then later in Matthew 13:22 when Jesus was asked what does this mean he explained he said now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. And so the second reason we may have stagnated is we have other weeds and plants and competing uh, thing growing in our, in our lives other than the word of God. 
and they are competing for our affection, for our passion, and they are choking the word of God and making it unfruitful. In Matthew 13, 22, Jesus says it's the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And then in Mark and Luke, it adds the pleasures of this world, which is very similar. But basically, we get distracted because we haven't uprooted various other things that are competing for our affection. The cares of this world, the worries of this world, other, other verses say, describing this parable. It says the worries or the cares of this world. And these are things where we say, I'm just so worried about life and my bills and the future and politics and all the things. And we allow the world to grab our focus and our attention and we get caught up in the worries of this world. And it stops us from allowing God's word to flourish in our lives or the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of this world. Maybe there's things in this life that we love so much. They are, they are just the... the the play things of this world, but we've allowed them to grab our affection. And so rather than go to church, rather than serve God, rather than minister to people, rather than pray, we want to run after these temporary distractions, which are so meaningless and so valueless. And yet they've grabbed our attention and they are weeds that need to be uprooted. We need to say, God, I'm sorry. If you need to sell your TV, do it. If you need to uh, stop that subscription to that thing, do it. If you need to stop visiting that place or you need to stop buying a certain thing or, or cut yourself off, deregister from a certain website, whatever it is, the worries of this life and the pleasures and, and deceitfulness of this world's riches and pleasures, those are the things that can choke you. And so I must ask you, have you stagnated because you love the things of this world too much? Do you just love this world and it's got into your affections and it's pulling you away from God and you no longer have passion for God and his things like you used to have. And as a result, you're not studying, you're not growing in knowledge, you're not growing in brotherly kindness or love or godliness or fruitfulness, all these different things. You're not growing as a Christian because your time and your energy and your love is on the things of this world. Friend, it's not too late. Uproot those things. Uproot those things and let's move on. Amen. The third reason we may have stagnated is that our faith has died or has been replaced by fear. You know, in James chapter 2, verse 26, James says that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Could you imagine a body? You walk into a room and there's a dead body and you say, this person used to be alive but the spirit has left and now it's just a lump of meat. It's just a dead body. He says, just like you see a dead body, it used to be alive, now it's dead. If you see faith without works, if you see a person who says, I believe this, this and this, but it's not being displayed in actions and works in their lives. He says there used to be faith, but because they didn't obey certain things that God had prompted them and and made them passionate about. They didn't obey. They allowed fear or logic or something else to stop them from obeying. He says that that faith is now dead. And you may say, you know, I have all these signs of maturity, but if your faith was alive, you would be acting on it. You would be obeying. You would read God's word. And every single time we read God's word, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
every time we read God's word, faith is born in us. But if we don't act on it, because every time faith comes, there is an action that is prompted. If we don't do what it needs us to do, maybe it's loving someone, maybe it's worshiping God, maybe it's saying sorry to God or to somebody, maybe it's doing a ministry, whatever it might be. Maybe it's just changing your mindset and saying, God, I'm going to think differently from now. Whatever the action is, if we don't do it, that faith that sprang up with enthusiasm and joy and passion withers and dies. And the opposite of faith is fear, where we are so paralyzed by fear that instead of believing God's promises for good, we start believing the devil's threats for bad. And we start looking for signs of bad things that might happen. And you may be paralyzed by fear or your faith may have died because of inaction or disobedience. And today is the day you say, God, I throw off fear. I throw off disobedience and I start to grab hold of faith, 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 faith. And then the last one. And the last reason you may have stagnated is when we are disconnected from other Christians, we can stagnate and die. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the body and it says we are joined and knit together. And then it says every joint supplies something. Ephesians 4 verse 16, it says what every joint supplies. When I'm joined with other Christians in a mission for God and worshiping God together, and we are in open fellowship where we are able to discuss difficult things together and work through relationships, but we're working together for God. When I'm in that, there is a supply that comes from every joint and I grow as a believer. It says the body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its share. And if I'm disconnected, I no longer am getting that supply. I'm no longer being challenged by other Christians where iron sharpens iron. I'm no longer being developed by the fivefold apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I'm no longer in the body. And you know, when you cut a piece of your body off, it dies. If you take a coal out of the fire, it goes out. If you take a banana off the bunch, it goes rotten. Whatever illustration you want to use, when we are disconnected, we lose the life. Listen to what Psalm 92 says. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Those who are planted and locked in and joined and knit together and committed with other Christians, sometimes um, in ministry, sometimes in worship, sometimes in prayer, sometimes just in doing life together, there is a, a supply that makes us grow and fresh and flourishing even to our old age. And now I'd just like to close by reading to you from Hebrews chapter 10. And it says this, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. That's verse 35. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. You may have gone through the checklist and you may have said, you know what? I've done all these things, but how's your confidence, your risk level, your, your ability to step out onto the water in faith and try new things? He says, don't cast away your confidence. Don't become fearful and reticent. And then he goes on in verse 38 to say, now the just shall live by faith. 
But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If anyone draws back. So the opposite of faith is drawing back, being safe, being in the routine, being the same as I've always been. I'm not going to try new things. I'm not going to give in a risky way. I'm not going to step out and try and witness to someone. I'm not going to do anything new. I'm just going to draw back and be safe. Verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. Perdition means I'm, I'm, I'm losing my salvation. He says you're actually not staying stagnant. When you think you're, you're being safe, you're going back, back to perdition. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We're stepping forward. And I want to challenge you, my dear friend, the eighth sign of a mature Christian is you are still growing, you're still learning, you're still getting closer to him, you're still full of that wonder and love and passion that comes from the grace of God, like you had when you were first saved. And God says, I give you this gift and there are batteries included. Today is the day. You can break your heart. You can say to him the words that you need to say to say, God, I'm sorry for this, this, and this. I'm sorry for my disobedience, for my lack of following the faith that you gave me to do this thing. I'm sorry for allowing my relationship with you to become routine. And he says, I will inject new passion and new power. Cry out to him today with me. Say, Lord God, I'm sorry. I thank you that you're here with me right now. I thank you that you love me and you've given me this message because you want to draw me back. Lord, make me like I was when I was first saved. I want to start again, Lord. I want to get faith and passion from your word, and I need your grace to fill me again. I need you, Lord. Please restore me and make me grow again. In Jesus' name. We love you, friend. We're at the end of an email or a message. Look us up, leadinglightsnetwork.com, or use our app, or there's various ways you can get hold of us. We would love to help you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.